We are doing a series, a short series called Landmarks in Your Life. And the, the first one we, we looked at was the children of Israel in Egypt and delivered from Egypt. And we call that the landmark of a new life. When Christ comes in, we have a new life in Jesus, don't we? <clears throat> and then the, the, the second one that we looked at was last week when we were looking at the fact that these that came out of Egypt were really a bunch of slaves. They looked like slaves, they talked like slaves, they acted like slaves, and they thought like slaves. <clears throat> and so we looked at a new identity in Christ and who we are in Christ. The last one that I will be uh, speaking, God willing, uh, in two weeks' time is a new generation, a generation that does great things for God. And I trust we all want to be part of that new generation that God wants to raise up for his glory. But this one, I've got this today. I couldn't find anything new about it. So I've called it, Old Habits Die Hard. Old habits die hard. Um, it's about people who never made it into the promised land. They never got there. Um, Jesus came to bring us life in all its fullness. I think it was... Um, did Karl Marx, Das Kapital, is that? Yeah. Oh, the other guy? Watched as people were going into church, happy and smiling. And then when they got in church, all the smiles switched off. <laughs> then they came out, they all looked like they'd been to a funeral. <laughs> and it turned him off Christianity. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus brought joy unspeakable and full of glory <clears throat> peace that's inexpressible love that's indescribable and hope praise God <clears throat> that's unsuppressible I don't know if that's an actual word but <clears throat> <laughs> but there we go we've learned a new one today <clears throat> um, the children of Israel come out of Egypt they had two years where God was shaping them into the people of God. He was trying to build into them this new identity, trying to build into them kingdom principles, kingdom living, trying to show them that they were now different than they used to be. <clears throat> and so that took about two years for them to uh, bring the law, you know, the Ten Commandments, and then all the uh, instruction about the tabernacle and all that. And they got to the very edge of the land of promise. And this is what Deuteronomy says. <clears throat> we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. So we reached Kadesh Barnea. Some say Kadesh. I like Kadesh, but... Then I said to you, 
You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord your God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now I'm going to read to you a passage from the New Testament. Um, it's from the book of Corinthians, chapter 2 at the end, and into chapter 3. And three types of people are described here. And I'll see if any of you are Bible students that can spot them, right? Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at the end and then into chapter 3. <clears throat> Here we go. I'll try to emphasize it to give you a clue. You see how good I am to this congregation, Dave? <laughs> am I appreciated? <laughs> the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And then into chapter 3. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Amen. <laughs> Three types of people. <clears throat> First of all, the man without the spirit. And when it says man, it means mankind. It, 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 it's everybody, male and female. The person without the spirit would correspond to Egypt and Pharaoh's subjects living in Egypt. The person without the spirit. Paul, writing to the Romans, he said, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Another version says, he is not a Christian at all. A Christian is someone who has the Spirit of God living within them. They are born again of the Spirit of God. Nothing to do with church attendance or good behavior, though that would follow the new birth. Jesus said, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. And so the, the first group are called the people without the Spirit. These are unbelievers that don't know the Lord at all. 
But then he lists another class of person, the spiritual person. The spiritual man are those who do inherit the land. They're not perfect. <clears throat> They're not on cloud number nine. But they are enjoying life that Jesus gives. They are led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, and obeying the Spirit. <clears throat> there are people who are enjoying a measure of what Jesus said when I, he said, I've come to give you life in all its fullness. Hallelujah. But then there's this other group. They're neither in Egypt, but they're not in the promised land either. They died in the wilderness. And it's this group of people that this message is about today. And it's, it's, it's a message of warning. And I thought, how's the congregation going to take warnings? But warnings can be profitable. Don't do this. It's a warning, you know. Uh, and, and at the end, we're going to say, don't do what they did. And if you find yourself, th being honest, some of what they were like, I'm a bit like that. Well, I'm going to ask you, not publicly, but I'm going to ask you to confess it, turn from it, and ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost and enter the land of blessing and promise. Don't die in the wilderness. Why do some Christians never seem to be fully Christian in the way they behave? They never fully let the life of Christ change them. They always seem to have half a foot in the world and half a foot in the kingdom. I remember when I first started work in an um, electrician's, uh, auto-electrician's place. I did a few jobs in those days. <laughs> and this guy came along, he was a new, uh, was a new um, uh, recruit, and he was just like, the <clears throat> just like the others. He listened to all the dirty stories that go around the shop, told one or two himself. And then he came to me a few days afterwards. He said, well, hello, brother. I thought, brother? Doesn't, doesn't seem very brotherly. Turns out he was a believer. You would never have known. You would never have known. By the way he lived, by the way he talked, you would never have known. Some people never seem to come right over into the promised land. They still have worldly attitudes. Worldly attitudes to materialism, interpersonal relationships, morality, honesty, that kind of thing. <clears throat> So how is worldliness identified? And if you see yourself a little bit in it, don't fight it. Just let the Holy Spirit refine us because we all want to get, we all want to get in the land. And I believe God has great things, hallelujah, in store. One or two people have come to me recent, just recently and said, I believe that we're going to see a move of the Holy Ghost. And we were, Jean and I were having lunch with a fellow leader in the town the other day, and he was saying to us, he said, I believe revival is, going to, is coming to this city. And, and, and David, he said, I, I looked around, he said, and I saw that Plymouth Christian Centre was probably the place that God could trust with it. Now that's just his word, but 
It was a word of faith to me. So if God is going to trust us with something great, we better get started now. Are we right or are we right? So worldliness. Paul said to these Corinthians, I couldn't address you as spiritual. The old Bible says carnal. I couldn't address you as spiritual but as carnal, but as worldly. How does he identify? The old Bible identifies like this. Envy, strife and division. Envy, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing. Aroused, uh, excuse me, uh, aroused by someone else's possessions. Jealousy means unpleasant suspicion or apprehension of rivalry. They resented the person for having maybe more money, more gifts, more friends, more talents, more opportunities. They were jealous of someone else's qualities, popularity, possessions, etc. <clears throat> They're not happy when people get promoted. <laughs> it's much easier to weep with them that weep than rejoice with them that rejoice. Is that not right? <clears throat> you say, oh, I, lo I lost my job last week. And, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Somebody comes in and said, I've just got promoted. They've put my salary up 20,000 a year. God bless you. <laughs> Enviousness is not from the new life. Enviousness is, is from the world. Strife, contention, conflicts, always insisting on their own way, argumentative, <coughs> opinionated, intolerant. <coughs> and they look at the wake that they leave behind of broken relationships, wounded, disillusioned people, and sometimes, often, on doctrinal points, legalism. Proverbs says a hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. And then there is envy, strife, and division. A party spirit. Romans 16 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause division. And in Proverbs 6, it says this, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness that pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family, and that can be a church family. The Lord hates discord and those who sow it. Paul said they were babies in Christ. They hadn't grown, and you might think, well, I know somebody who's been a Christian for a long time, but I could fit some of these things in there. <clears throat> I had an uncle uh, years ago. <laughs> he was an Assemblies of God pastor. He had a, a, a dry sense of humor. He said he was convinced that the devil <clears throat> allowed some people to get converted. <clears throat> because they were more used to him after they were saved than ever they were before. <laughs> so they got to the edge of Canaan. Two years, God had been giving them the law and, and trying to make them into a different mindset, a different people. They got to the edge of the promised land and Moses sent out 12 spies. And... Uh, Ten of them came back with, a, uh, with an evil report. They said, 
uh, two of them came back with a good report. Said, it's a great land, wonderful. The Lord's with us, we'll go in and possess it. <clears throat> Twelve, ten of them came back and said, yes, it is a good land, but you want to see, see those giants. You know, they're just... They, they thought we were grasshoppers, and we looked like grasshoppers, and they were giants. You know? Why didn't they trust the Lord? The Lord had plagued Egypt on their behalf. The Lord had opened up the sea. The Lord had given them manna every day. Why didn't they trust the Lord? As it says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But Psalm 78 tells us of the the, the, the times when they just fail the Lord, fail the Lord through unbelief. If we are going to see something great for God, wrong attitudes have to be dealt with. Now, these slaves, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. (laughs) And it's getting the world out of Christians and getting the kingdom of God in us in full measure. So, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians chapter 10. I must hurry up very quickly. Moreover, brethren, he said, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ or came from Christ, but with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, this is what he's saying, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. In one day, 23,000 fell. And let us not tempt Christ as some of them did uh, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the apostle is saying, look, Look at the example of that particular generation of people and for goodness sake, don't follow them. Don't copy them. So what were they like? They lusted. They desired evil things. They wanted things God never meant them to have. Are we living in an area where we're having things God never wanted us to have? Well, God had provided manna every day for them. Breakfast dinner and tea, free, every day. But they said, we're fed up of this manna. Every time, the same, the same, oh, manna, manna, manna. We want meat, we want to eat meat. <coughs> and, and, and God said, I'll give them meat. I'll give, I'll give them, it'll be coming out of their nostrils, I'll give them meat. <laughs> God, there were... Thousands, if not millions, of little quail out at sea. And God caused the wind to blow them off the, off the sea, over the camp. There were, there were thousands, thousands of these quails. And, and they had meat day and night. And some of them, some of them probably ate of it raw and were destroyed. 
a lot of them were destroyed by the plague that followed. There's one verse that says, in the, he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. Sometimes we pester God and pester God and pester God. He gives us what we want, but there's no blessing in it. How many of you know? Sometimes God says no to us on certain things. We just got to accept it. Say, thank you, Lord. You're doing it for my good and my best. I'll accept it from you. But these people, they insisted. They they really wanted this. They lusted exceedingly in the desert, the Bible says. And then they were idolatrous. What is an idolater? Something that comes between you and God. It can be anything. I speak to the men. It can be your nice new car, for goodness sake. I've nearly been an idolater once <coughs> with the card industry. <coughs> they made the golden calf. They were uh, idol, became idol worshipped. Materialism can be an idol. Your wealth can be an idol. Your possessions can be an idol. Your, your family can be an idol. The way some people go on about their kids. <gasps> For crying out loud. My mother, my mother told me this story. Um, it was about her sister, my aunt. Now, my aunt had two boys. She loved the older one, but she idolized the younger one. And when he was little, he was really nice looking. Round face, blonde hair, butter would not melt in his mouth. In fact, him and his brothers were a bit wicked inside. They put the cat in the, in the washing machine. <clears throat> but my aunt, she idolised this little fella. And my mother told me this story. She said she got him all ready for school, parted his hair, combed his hair nice, put him nice clothes on, and then she went next door to her next door neighbour... And she knocked on the door and she said to her next door neighbour, isn't he lovely? My mother said, her own kid. (laughs) Some people can make an idol of their family very easily. Um, Why did I tell you that? Anyway. (laughs) Maybe some of you might watch what you put on Facebook about it. They also committed sexual immorality. In one day, it says, 23,000 fell. There were these Moabite women. They, they must have tempted. Well, they were easily tempted anyway. But they committed immorality with these Moabite women. They worshipped Baal. They went and served their gods. It's a, t- it's a tough day when the world's standards come into the church. God's kingdom is God's kingdom. We are different people, honestly. God's not against sex. He invented it, for goodness sake. God is not sitting there saying, oh, good grief, what are they up to next, dear? (laughs) But in the kingdom of God, let's keep it right in the kingdom. Now, the, the, the... We're not stupid enough to think mistakes are made. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the world's principles, the world's standards 
coming into the church. So anything goes, anytime, anywhere, with anybody. That is what we should never allow to happen in the church. <clears throat> they tempted Christ, the scripture says, didn't they? Um, at the water. This is what Exodus 17 said. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile and called some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock. The water will be gushing, come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and waters gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Mesa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Can God provide water for us in the desert? Yes, he can. But they tested God. And then it goes on to say they were complainers. The old Bible says murmurers, murmurers. <clears throat> Murmuring and unbelief are not from the Lord. What we call BMW saints. <laughs> Blamers, moaners and whingers. <laughs> BMW. Blamers, moaners and whingers. These attitudes must die in the church, my dear brothers and sisters, <clears throat> if we're going to be the people God wants us to be. I was reading a little bit. Um, we're going to be doing the book of Revelation in, in um, September. Jeff's going to be doing it, thank goodness. <clears throat> but I have been reading up a little bit about it myself. <clears throat> and I came across this quotation um, that I, 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 I found was very interesting. And it's uh, a story from Max Lucado. I'll read it to you. Max Lucado tells the time his dad took him and a friend fishing, only to have it rain and snow and have to spend a week cooped up in a camper truck, bickering and griping. And he says, I learned a great lesson that week not about fishing, but about people. The, when those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. When energy intended to be used outside is used inside, the result is explosive. Instead of casting nets, we cast stones. Instead of extending helping hands, we point accusing fingers. Instead of being fishers of the lost, we become critics of the saved. Rather than helping the hurting, we hurt the helpers. The result? Church scrooges. Bah, humbug. <laughs> Beady eyed searching for warts on others while ignoring the warts on the nose below. Crooked fingers that bypass strengths and point out weaknesses. Split churches, poor testimonies, broken hearts, legalistic wars. And sadly, poor go unfed, confused go uncounseled, the lost go unpreached. Those who are called to fish, don't, if they don't fish, they fight. 
And so he concludes by saying, the next time the challenges outside tempt you to shut the door and stay inside, stay long enough to get warm, then get out. For those who are called to fish, when they don't fish, they fight. <laughs> when we're about our father's business, it's, 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 it takes away all this, doesn't it? <clears throat> so these were complainers. I better hurry up. <clears throat> I told you this might be a bit different today. <clears throat> God wants you and I to enter the, enter the land of promise. And the, the generation eventually that did go in, they said, we're not going to be like the previous generation. We're going to be a different, a different caliber, a different generation. And God is looking for people that are of a different spirit. When Jesus died upon the cross, he said, it is finished, and it was finished. And he bowed his head. And the Bible says there remains a rest for the people of God. We can enter into the rest that Jesus bought for us upon the cross. <clears throat> um, this is what Hebrews says, talking about the land, which was physically in the Old Testament, but spiritually in the New Testament. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For who have believed, for we who have believed do enter that rest. So we believe and we enter in to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> now then. We've touched on a whole load of things this morning and it wasn't to condemn any one of us but to say, come on, if, if, there's, if there's these things in, in me or have been in me, come on, let's walk away from it. Let's not die in the wilderness. Let's enter the promised land of God's fullness. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. There's nothing like Holy Ghost fellowship, is there? We're the moving of the Spirit of God. We're walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit obeying the spirit let's move away from lukewarmness and indifference and move into the fullness of God praise the Lord oh I remember going to uh, I finish now you might say <laughs> I remember going to Jean's Jean was Assemblies of God you know before she saw the light and <laughs> And uh, we used to go to the prayer meetings when, when I was a teenager. Uh, we, they had a Bible study on a, a Tuesday night. And we would go there and then at our church on a Wednesday night, we would have a prayer meeting and Bible study all combined. Um, and then on Thursday, it was the prayer meeting. There was only a few old people, weren't there? But honestly, oh, they were old people, but, but they, were so, they had such a touch of God on them. And uh, I remember Mrs. Horton, she was called. She was an ex-post um, office, um, a post office matron, you know, bun behind, bun behind, prim and proper, you know. Well, <clears throat> when she used to get, the, get the, the glory, she would be in the spirit. And I remember one particular day, <clears throat> she started a Jericho march. A Jericho march where you walk around the church. <clears throat> and we, like little ducks behind, followed on. <laughs> But there were Holy Ghost meetings. They were full of the Holy Ghost and faith. Hallelujah. 
And the, the old preacher, I think it was Stephen Jeffress, that said, when you're born in the fire, you don't like to live in the smoke. Are we born in the fire? Are we looking for the fire? Are we looking for the fullness of the blessing of the Lord? Well, these things have got to die. The people, God had to wait 38 years till these old timers had passed on. Goodness me. Well, God's not wanting, God's not wanting people to die, but he's wanting attitudes to die. He's wanting old attitudes. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Let's get Egypt well and truly out of us that we can enter into the promised land of God's fullness. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>